Today, I talk with Professor Miko Siponen. He is a professor of information systems at the University of Uviscola. His research interests include information security system, IS development, computer ethics, and philosophical aspects of information systems. He has published extensively in top IS journals like Miss Quarterly Information Systems Research, Journal of Association Information Systems, European Journal of Information Systems, and others. He has been guest senior editor and associate editor for the Miss Quarterly and held editorial positions at Journal of Association Information Systems, European Journal of Information Systems, Information and Management, and Communication and Association of Information Systems. Professor Siponen has unique mix of education, PhD in Philosophy from the University of Jönsö, Finland, and PhD in Information Systems from the University of Oulu, Finland. Proven track of publications covering IS and philosophy in IS. He has supervised 25 PhDs and more than 100 master theses to the completion. It is based on this unique background and experience that he shares with us his view on philosophy in information systems. He is so far the only information systems scholar invited to the Finnish Academy of Science and Letters. Today with Professor Siponen we talk how you engage in philosophy by giving very practical suggestions, how you should think about philosophy, how philosophy can help in your argumentation process and much more. It is my pleasure to bring you Professor Siponen. Hello, Professor Siponen. It's good having you to the Sigfil uh, podcast. I'm looking forward to our discussion because I believe you can provide um, strong insight and philosophical discourse which is related to the information systems. And that, I think, is based on your, uh, let's say, um, experience in history. And it will be good to hear how you actually get uh, got engaged in philosophical thinking and how you actually link that with uh, information systems. Yeah, thank you. Um, my first philosophical course was on 90s, and it was on theories of ethics, in, in other words, on moral philosophy. Yeah. And um, in that first lecture, it was actually given by um, the professor who in the, the whole course, you know, he um, discussed it theories of ethics one by one and you know when when you started when, when he started the discussion the theory seems to be so complex and difficult but then he actually showed for every theory of ethics how you can apply it in a real world practical situation yeah. so but for that reason i became very interested on uh, philosophy and actually or in, or also interested in science because i realized that how complex looking theories can actually be used to solve concrete problems. So that was my my um, first uh, um, experience with, with the philosophy. And then um, I have a training in a comp uh, software engineering and IS, but because of perhaps because of that first course on, on ethics, I, I get very interested on philosophy and actually studied it in all levels, bachelor, master, and PhD levels also later. Ah, that's and what I what I notice and sometimes I struggle with this when you said and um, when you said that sometimes complex theories and complex uh, solutions when you look them from philosophical aspects is if I understand it rightly you can grasp uh, the simplicity and uh, let's say underlying reasoning 
behind that uh, theory? Do, do you think that philosophy and philosophy of science actually can help this? Yeah, it can help in many ways. I think it's, first of all, it's challenging because uh, first, if you look any philosophy or philosophy of science, it may look very complex, but if you uh, do the hard work and study the concepts and how people are using the con uh, concepts, it, it might be uh, highly helpful uh, for actual science. Yeah. And one, one per person I talked with, it, he said the problem with the philosophers is that it's not like in science they try to, let's say, um, more or less use the same terms, the same concepts, but they actually develop their own ecosystem of terms and uh, reasoning and applications, sometimes applications. And based on that, uh, I, I relate with you when you say hard work. That means that you, what do you think? People should read more, for example, different philosophers and different approaches in order to more or less, let's say, come up to their understanding about it or? Well, philosophers, have their own concept, but so we have we have also own concepts in IS. You know, we have ITUs and ease of use, and we have technology access model and that kind of stuff. And of course, similar things you have in philosophy, they have all sorts of concepts actually. But many concepts, even the terms I have been saying for you know 50 years or 20 years, their meaning and relevance have, have changed. But the um, it takes some time to learn. A philosophy it's, it's it's a long and of course it's also a ongoing process for for anybody but i think it's highly useful um process i think the key one thing one key thing what i have learned is that when i started to reading philosophy i realized i was in my opinion too much focusing on some particular authors like you know mm -hmm. I, I like, for example, Karl Popper because he was easy to understand. And, yeah. But then I realized that, you know, when I later read critique on Karl Popper, I realized, well, perhaps I should also have read some other work. So um, yeah. I, I think it's also, especially for philosophy of science, I, I think it's very important to try to read the best philosophy of science journals. For, for different topics and not just not just one author because the problem is that if you just focus on one author irrespective of who the person is you also you learn a number of things but you also will be misled if you uh -huh. don't read the critique of the person and that's why it's very important i i think to read the best uh, philosophy journals also. Of course, reading that is hard if you don't have a philosophical training, but I, I, I think that that's the, that, that's the most optimal approach. Well, th th this is a very uh, a good advice because what I find out very often is that people read the books of the main, uh, let's say, philosophers, which they publish it, and then they read the books. But actually, very rarely... I almost none till now, to be honest, uh, uh, have suggested that you need to also read uh, top philosophical journals in the in the in a, uh, in different field, not different top philosophical journals, in order to let's say get what is the current developments of those philosophical uh, let's say discourse and what is the critics. Can you just for the sake of the podcast maybe 
just name one journal which actually is interesting people to uh, to i think journal philosophy studies maybe um well i can name on the area of philosophy of science because yeah, i have yeah. followed that uh, recently so the two best journals or the most high highest valued journals in the field philosophy of science is philosophy of science that's 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 actually one, <laughs> the uh, title one journal yeah. yeah very simple philosophy of science and then there is a, a british journal for the philosophy of science so these are perhaps the two leading journals there are other very good journals but these are the very these are like you know mis quarterly and ISR, yeah. so to speak yeah uh, and, and 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 even the name is you know sometimes people ask me that when the journal name is philosopher science, are they covering social science? Well, they are covering social science. So, the, so for philosophers, for professional philosophers, the philosopher science means, you know, every, uh, yes. in a way, every aspect of underlying philosopher science. So um, these are, if you have not really read it, philosopher science journals, journals, these might, these might be the cool starting place. Uh, and then if, if you don't have really, training on philosophy might be hard to read these journals and then you can what you actually can do then I uh, my suggestion is that you read textbooks yeah and not particle philosophers but textbooks and read textbooks and then perhaps later on you can start reading these philosopher science journals or you read the philosopher science journals and reflecting them through textbooks that might be also uh, the, the one possibility and, and another good possibility is also that you actually look, um, if you don't understand some concept, uh, you can try to look textbook or you can actually ex see how people in the philosophy departments courses, which are actually available yeah. online. You can look the lecture slides and so on, how they explain these concepts. Yeah. And I think that this, this, I would say, extremely practical advice from your side is actually related because sometimes when I talk with younger scholars, they say, okay, the book is 600 pages, 700 pages. When I reach the 50 uh, page or 100 page, I do not understand it. And then it takes me a lot of time to grasp what the, the philosopher said. But this is like what you mentioned. It's actually getting an entry understanding of, of, the, of the topics and then uh, actually in a rather shorter time and then if you want you can develop in the different sections or different streams in discussion so this i think it's a very very practical uh, and very useful advice for the for the uh, young scholars and when i'm talking now about young scholars what, what do you I, I i heard you that you got engaged in uh, philosophy uh, let's say got interested when under when you were also in bachelor and what is your advice now, for example, a lot of people, uh, PhD students, you also uh, work on the PhD uh, studies in, uh, with students, how they should actually, when they are pressed, pressured, let's say, to publish fast and um, let's say to be more uh, published or perish and philosophy requires more work. What, what is your opinion on, on this? How as a young scholar, maybe early career or PhD, it's important to know and devote time to philosophy, although there is pressure to publish, or how to engage philosophy in your publishing uh, process. Well, I actually get the advice uh, from mm -hmm. my as professors and also from actually when I studied philosophy at the bachelor and master level, uh, 
I was lucky to have a pro to work with professors who are who were who had a lot of time to uh, debate and discuss with me on philosophical concepts. And I actually also discussed it this with them when I later did my PhD on IAS. Um, and actually some IAS professors and also some philosophy professors suggested me that why don't you first do the empirical research and then when you are full professor focus on this uh, you know, you, you can perhaps return to these philosophical arguments uh, yeah. and writing philosophical papers. And I actually uh, followed that, uh, that, that advice. I think it's the, um, you know, that kind of argumentative uh, philosophical skills, I think, you know, I think they take time to, uh, to develop. Yeah. And writing that argumentative papers is not, it is a slow process. So um, I think we should, we need to uh, be realistic that it takes time. Yeah. So I don't know. PhD students need to think about: Do they have the time to do it? You know, they can still develop ideas and perhaps they can publish them later. But my advice would be that uh, you know, writing conceptual papers fast that's not really you know very yeah. good idea. Well, it's good idea to put your arguments in the paper and in a paper format, perhaps discuss with colleagues, uh, even discuss with professional philosophers if you have a chance to discuss with them. And in, in that way, you can, you know, mature the arguments over time. But otherwise, I think writing a philosophical paper is a long uh, process because it takes some time to think about the arguments, what you want to make. And probably is because you, the, the, you uh, uh, when you are trying to, let's say, um, frame this philosophical dialogue in a paper that probably will require you to have a lot of knowledge about different aspects and what is the discourse over there. Because if you get some experienced scholars that actually knows these issues, he might say, okay, this is already discussed, you know, or maybe in a uh, in different field, this is already let's say presented, so you need to go there and search for that, and that might get a complication. But I like the idea that you can get informed about uh, philosophy and focus on the empirical uh, empirical aspects. And in my my link over here with this is like, uh, how do, do you have some preferred, let's say, uh, philosophical uh, thinking over other? And my question is how you actually came to this? Did you with time change your uh, 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 approach, change your position? What is this? Something like a lot of people think that if you come up with some position, you sustain it during your life. Is this the case or it's not the case? Why is this the case? And why is this not the case? Because sometimes the also uh, scholars identify themselves with a certain, let's say, philosophical stream that could be a postmodernist or critical realist, or some, some of them say I'm more pragmatic and I try to combine different aspects when it's necessary for my research. What is your, your background thinking when you write a paper or when, when you perform research? What is your, let's say, philosophical position on this, these issues? Not, not to defend some of them or, or something like that, but just uh, what, what, you, what is your, let's say, background supporting your philosophical background supporting your work? Okay, there was a number of important things you, you mentioned. Yeah. I, 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 I try to cover them one by one. So um, I think first you asked me why I favor some philosophical thinking than the other. Uh, well, 
I, I especially value philosophical thinking or philosophers work that is based on practical cases or they are using some kind of like a for example philosophical philosopher science they are actually using some philosophy of science example mm-hmm. so uh, I, I like that angle having said that we need to admit that what can be apply, apply, applied to practical cases of course depends on my own and your own philosophical competence competence yeah. so that's very I understand also to to actually start um also when i favor some philosophical thinking um i always try to check and i think it's important to check counter argument from a philosophical journals against the arguments i use so if i'm using some kind of argument or whatever a claim i i I I try to see if there's a counter arguments yep. in philosophy journals and and often when I I I, I see these uh, I actually uh, even change my mind. Um, then I think there was this uh, this uh, question on these um, isms. It, it, it's very funny because in IAS and social science people are talking about philosophy in terms of isms, like positivism or critical realism uh, yeah. and, 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 and it's like that. But philosophers, I mean, there are some philosophers who propose some isms, but, but generally speaking, philosophers, they don't identify themselves with the isms. And always, you pick any ism. Uh, uh, you, for example, let's take logical empirics. Yeah. Everybody who propose logical empiricism, the, the, the they actually disagree everything. Every topic they actually, you know, even the same concept, they have a different views of what the concept means. I, 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 I don't think it's very, and, and this is what actually philosophers also, what I, at least those philosophers I know, I have discussed it. They find this ism and I find this is highly simplified. I, I, I think it's better to think about in terms of topics and arguments than is. And, and my concern is that if you have been advocating some is over your whole life, yep. I may ask, I have to ask, have you, have you thinking developed? Perhaps you are blinded by the is. It's, it's also very dangerous. So uh, that's why it's, I think, I think it's very important to go beyond the issue. Think about topics, arguments, and what counter-arguments there are for these arguments, because there's also a risk that philosophy or philosophy of science blind you. You don't develop anymore. You, you repeat the same things you have repeated 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. But actually, the thinking in the philosophy of philosophy of science has developed. So yeah. that's why I think rather than isms, Think about each topic argument. What are, uh, if you have an argument, what are the counter arguments and so on? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's that's much more important um, than there is. And of course, if you read this philosophy of science journals, yeah. you realize these is that we discuss in IAS, these are not mainstream is, and they have never been at any point of time mainstream is in the philosophy of science, in the philosophy community. Yeah. Well, it's, so no beyond isms. Yeah. 
and focus on development because what I, I understood is that when you actually focus on arguments, topics and arguments and counter-arguments on, uh, on the philosophical, let's say, position you take in this certain work, you're actually making contribution to the philosophy of science in that way. And this is, in my way, sometimes I discuss with people and I have this dilemma, like, for example, if scholars from physics, scholars from social science, uh, from sociology, or sometimes maybe economics, try to make philosophical contributions. What is your uh, opinion and thinking about uh, can uh, I, as scholars, make developmental uh, uh, contributions to the philosophy of science? Should they do that or should they don't do that? Well, they also should, they also should contribute to philosophy of science. And I've, I've, I mean, philosophy of science and, and philosophers, most philosophers of science, science know it that, you know, they need science. Uh, and of course, somebody in a way need to contribute to science. And, 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 and sometimes, and actually quite often, philosophers of science have misunderstood the science. <laughs> uh, and there are a number of cases where, you, you know, what we may think are great philosophers of physics have misunderstood the basics of uh, physics. Uh, yeah. and at least that's claimed by, uh, by, by, by later philosophers. So it's very important in a philosopher science that somebody uh, brings the science. Uh, and I, I think that's very important thing. And yeah. be best thing that how we can do that might be actually that we in a way collaborate with, uh, with philosophers. Of course, the challenge is that many terms or philosophical concepts which uh, we are using in IAS or social science, they philosoph you know, how people, uh, philosophers use this in philosophy are, let's say, a little bit different. Yeah. So uh, that's also some challenge, and, and that's also why it's important to uh, read uh, philosophy, uh, original philosophy journals. And actually, but I think it's very important to, to contribute to philosophy of science and it's in a way two-way street because uh, if you contribute to philosophy of science, you also perhaps contribute to IS science because you may have better understanding of some philosophical concepts and their implications uh, to IS. So it's like two ways. It's like you use philosophy of science to inform your science research and based on your science research, you can actually contribute to the philosophy that will actually make, uh, um, I'd say, contributions that somebody else can use in th their work of science. So, in a way, communicating with philosoph philosophers or trying to, let's say, I don't know, is the right word, generalize more or less what you uh, discover from your scientific research to, to generalize it to more of philosophy. Uh, philosophical aspects so it could be useful for the others. That is one thing I, I try because I see that uh, uh, information systems is the, let's say, in the middle of all these socio-technical and fast developments can actually provide something that could uh, philosophers can use it to reflect on uh, how things should be organized and how to, things should be approached and researched and developed. So in a way, I, I really like your, uh, your position that you say we need to engage with philosophers and to see how we can actually, with this dialogue, uh, make contribution to philosophy and to information uh, uh, systems. So do you think that this is like something that 
how organizationally should be structured? Should PhD students have a philosophical or training or afterwards to be provided some in sick field group we think how to let's say bring it closer uh, some philosophical aspects to the to the scholars what what, what do you think uh, how this could be done how um, it doesn't need to be only younger scholars but how I scholars can interact with philosophy more uh, pragmatically in order to move also I science and philosophy of science forward any ideas about that yeah I think that's we may separate for, for our purpose two, uh, two approaches or two goals. And one goal is that when I as scholar understand uh, some philosophical concepts, they, that understanding may help you to understand I as. And, and, and that kind of thing I think you can obtain, or it is perhaps possible to obtain in a PhD training. And, and that kind of understanding is, is that, like, like, like philosophers often say, that philosopher science may not really help you, may not help scientists to say how to do things, but they may help scientists from making cross errors. And, yeah. and, and in that way, philosopher science might be helpful, that it may, in a way, uh, help us to reflect and revise our. Uh, fundamental uh, beliefs but yeah. then if we so in addition to that so the first level of ambition is perhaps that you know PhD students have an understanding of, of philosopher science or some basic concept of philosopher science like let's say theory relatedness. yeah then this the, the, the second goal and, and now we have a much higher level of ambition is that we can actually contribute to philosopher science. And that's, I think, then requires much more. And, and, and it's also, of course, that's a very important goal, but that's also a harder goal because the writing style in philosopher science and IS, even in IS philosophy, is actually quite different. So um, for the fact, even the, the second goal, I think, might be good to work with... Uh, people who have philosophical training or work even with the uh, professional philosophers. Of yeah. course, if you work with professional philosophers, you may also improve your uh, critical thinking in eyes. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. Good advice. And when you, so now, when you start writing a paper, and uh, this is sometimes... Uh, reviewers are raising it and people uh, which want to write papers are raising and how you represent your philosophical let's say thinking in the uh, uh, in the paper I like your um, let's say suggestion that you focus on uh, topics arguments and counter arguments and I assume now that you use that also uh, when you're writing but how you present that in your writing for sometimes people say uh, once I got a feedback from a journal which said, I, I, I was uh, writing it, he said, or she, the reviewer said, uh, well, this is already known philosophical stream in I. So you don't write the two pages explaining the, the, the stream. You just write uh, one paragraph because uh, uh, a lot of papers have public, been published about in I's discipline about this philosophical stream. So everybody knows it. But sometimes uh, on other paper, like I did one autoethnographic uh, paper, um, the editor requested that you need to write uh, an appendix, which you will explain autoethnography. 
because that is not very well used, uh, let's say, uh, research approach in uh, or in in uh, in uh, information system. So, how what is your experience? You have been uh, you publish a lot. You have been in editorial positions. You're in editorial positions. Um, my question is how you actually balance the presentation in the paper, your philosophical assumptions and how you structure that. What is, what, what is your experience in this? Well, it, it's, it depends on what we mean by philosophical papers, but um, I think philosophical papers in IS or in science uh, has to be written a little bit more carefully than let's say normal uh, empirical papers papers in IAS. And, and as I already mentioned, I, I, I think that the key is in the philosophical papers, the key is argument. And unfortunately, quite often the reviewers may not read your argument or, or they comment, they don't really comment your argument. It is. I was thinking more in the, in the direction of the when you are having an empirical paper and, for example, you want to theorize, for example, maybe, let's say, I've taken critical with mechanisms, and then you say, uh, I'm going to identify mechanisms and I use critical realism because this and this. And then do you explain that? Or you, for example, if you use uh, postmodern feminist approach and then you need to explain it, let's say, Within, uh, within the paper, your position, your stance, why this, let's say, taking into account that this division of streams is not the best way, but in a way accepted that this will be the stream that you use in your uh, paper as philosophical backing. How, how do you present that in, the, in your empirical paper? Do you focus too much or less or implicitly you suggest that is this stream that you follow? What, what, what is your thinking on this? I actually would, I try to avoid okay. that kind of philosophical arguments in empirical papers and, and definitely um, I don't want to say, of course, sometimes reviewers put me to say something, but I don't really want to refer to some isms in empirical papers and not in, also in philosophical papers because I may not really believe these isms and, and like I said, I think the, the topics or arguments within the is when we open up the isms i think these are more important than some is so um, yeah i i try to in an empirical paper i in a way try to avoid making uh, philosophical arguments unless um, the argument needs empirical study or vice versa so um, I, I i in a way try to a little bit separate empirical papers and philosophical papers and i don't think that I mean, I know that there is idea in social science and IS that you do empirical study and then say this is backed up by some is. Yeah. But I don't think the philosophical is are not something that you can just, you know, buy like from supermarket because uh, yeah. they may not really add, add you any packing if you really know the isms and what problems they have. And uh, might be that some of these is are already the main tenets are rejected or criticized. Yeah. years ago so i don't i don't think that for example if you if you read natural science or best medical research journals they don't really back up they they, they you know uh 
medical trials by saying, hey, I, I belong to this, this philosophical list. You, know, yeah. you don't hardly see that. You don't see that in science. You don't see that in cell. You don't see that in nature. You don't see that in best medical research journals. And I don't think that in that kind of papers, you don't need to do it. I'll, I'll just, it's a little bit out of the philosophy maybe, but uh, what, uh, just based on this, what do you think? Sometimes scholar says, in ICE, okay, and there's some papers that also said, okay, we can divide uh, and make it clear that this is an empirical paper and makes empirical and some understanding condition, and this is theoretical paper. And what, what is your thinking? Should this, for example, be, because sometimes it's expected you have an empirical paper, but you need to have a medical, make it a theoretical contribution and some, as you mentioned, extended to make maybe philosophical contribution. And what do you think is that, the idea of like, if you're a young scholar, you make an empirical paper and you're a little bit more senior scholar, you try to make a theoretical paper, but not to, for theoretical to be empirically, let's say tested, et cetera, and empirical papers not to, let's say, generalize to certain theory. It's just outside a little bit of our talk, but I, I, when you mentioned the nature and science paper, I was, I was just came this to my, to my idea. What, what, what do you think about this? Well, I think that my advice is that write these papers you want to write. I mean, I mean yeah. <laughs> papers you can write empirical, you can write theoretical papers. Of course, it depends on what you mean theoretical. You can write uh, uh, philosophical papers. And, and of course, it's a philosophical debate that sometimes empirical papers are theoretical also. But <laughs> I don't really have a, I, I, I think it's what you um, want to do. Um, and of course, it's, it's about publication strategy also, but yeah, that, that might be for other talks. But, and when we have this now, we, we cover these topics and what do you think is like in the future for information system about information systems field? What is, let's say, uh, in relation to, to philosophy, but the relation also on the, let's say, uh, development in the next stages and what 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 we as a young scholars not me I'm not already so young but younger uh, scholars can actually identify how to as you mentioned the publication strategy or research strategy what is your thinking about the future of information systems in generally let's say it in a way well practically we should have a great future because the topic is so important. But intellectually, uh, we should also have a great future. But I expect that um, my expectation is that we might be able, the philosophy might be help us to uh, see how we could be doing much better science and much by using much wider uh, perspective than we are using now. Uh, and perhaps I need a little bit to explain that. So yeah, please. In a nutshell, I think that when I look to history of IAS, uh, on the first ISIS, there was talk on how IAS is scientific, how we need to be scientific. Yeah. And a lot of these things we have, we have tried to put theory, we have tried to put method, we have tried to put all kinds of things that we are scientific. But how about if these yardstick for scientific are not really scientific? 
Mm-hmm. For example, reviewers ask theoretical contribution. But I have mentioned several times philosophy of science journals. Go to philosophy of science journals and look for theoretical contribution. There's nothing. Yeah. And the reason is that because empirical contributions are also very important. And of course, if you read science or medical research journals, you realize that. So I think that, uh, and I hope that philosophy of science applied to IAS can actually help us to see how we could even further improve great IAS research by, by liberating ourselves from some dogs, dogmatic beliefs we have, and one might be theoretical contribution. So that kind of thing I, uh, I see happening, hopefully, in the future of IAS research. So yeah. we can really put aside this belief that how we are scientific. We are scientific. We don't, the problem might be that this tendency on are we scientific are actually put us aside or sidetrack for solving practical problem and actually being scientific. So yeah. I think that when we read philosophy of science, we realize that there's much more alternative way of contribution to science. And perhaps that all of these approaches are not recognizing IAS, but if they would be recognizing IAS, we would be even more progressive in IAS research and perhaps even have a better contributions to practice. So it's actually like, uh... In a, in a way, we are, we try to be scientific, and because we are just too much focused on scientific, we limit our let's say uh, maybe approaches and or thinking to f- let's say to exploring uh, new ways of doing or new contributions that will make us really scientific. It's something like something like that. What you you mentioned it, so we need to liberate ourselves and try to let's say. Uh, do um, work that could be practically relevant, but also could be scientific. Yeah, it, my guess is that if we actually carefully look philosophy of science, we realize that the current our current or mainstream beliefs on what is scientific might represent only very limited part of what is really scientific research. Mm. When we realize that we that may hopefully open our eyes and we are able to recognize other types of things like empirical contributions are also highly valuable in science. Yeah. But they might be hard to publish in IAS because this idea of a new theoretical contribution is needed. Yeah. So that kind of things I, I expect. So, and with this, uh, what do you think that, for example, in this relation is like with the philosophy uh, of science for the younger uh, scholars, in a way that uh, maybe some suggestions uh, when we talked about empirical uh, research in the beginning and then to try to move on a, on a more, uh, let's say, um, philosophical contributions. And I think that now what you mentioned with this, uh, let's say to liberate ourselves and see that also empirical, pure empirical uh, work can make a scientific uh, uh, contribution. Do you think that this is, let's say a very good starting point for the young uh, scholars, this combination? I'm just trying to wrap it up now, but what, what is your, let's say core message now, if you're, uh, if you're a younger student, a younger uh, scholar and how this, 
taking in account the publication strategy and research strategy, what, what will you be, be your, your message in a way for them? Well, I think hard to have a one specific message, but I think <laughs> I would just think that you know young scholars to do whatever they you know you know focus on topics you you really like. Um, yeah. Uh, if, if you like philosophy, then then great. But look for philosophy of science journals and think about the topic or arguments and not uh, not isms and remember counter arguments yeah uh, i actually give more than one advice already <laughs> but this this is a very good advice i, I have to be uh, uh to state this in a way that you find a topic if you want to see the arguments and see the counter arguments and based on that try to research it and make a contribution if you want to use philosophy as your background to on arguments, counter arguments that will influence your research, that is also okay. But also if you do empirical, you find the domain and try to do empirical and uh, no, argumentative uh, and let's say um, position your work in this argument, uh, counter argument uh, uh, discourse and make a contribution uh, uh, with that. Am I, am I summarizing it in, in a way I'm trying to, this wonderful talk to just summarize it in a one two sentences so listeners can actually see it in a in a in a in a, in a, in a, a takeaway message yeah i think well philosophy of science is is very important and, yeah. and it can really help both theoretical work it also can help uh, both uh, both empirical work yeah, and usually it can liberate rather than it, it can easily liberate from us from uh, misbeliefs rather than giving us a clear advice on 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 how you proceed. So, I, I, I uh, of course I like that people study philosophy, read philosophy debate on fundamentalized topics, but at the same time I also understand that you know. There's also a lot of people who don't like philosophy and they can just do empirical research and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, I think that now we are just uh, wrapping it up and I think that like philosophy of science can help you to clear misbeliefs, but not maybe give you a clear direction how you perform the research. And this is the nice thing that it makes you, let's say, aware about the um, underlying assumptions and to not, let's say, make some mistakes that are clearly made by philosophers. So I think that we're wrapping it up now. We finished over almost 40 something minutes. Uh, do you have something else to say to our uh, listeners? Yeah, if you have a chance to um, work with professional philosophers or people who have philosophical training and, and if you want to do philosophical work I think then you should use these opportunities I think these are also good opportunities to discuss people with the uh, philosophical uh, arguments yeah well that's nice advice that's nice advice and I think that in all universities there is philosophical departments where you can actually easily interact with uh, philo uh, philosophers and getting let's say some uh, communication with them and see what what uh, approaches and how they structure their thinking and how they write their, let's say, arguments. So 
this could be useful in uh, in, uh, in ice ice research. Well, Professor Siponen, with this, um, I would like to thank you very much for your um, uh, participation in the Sickfield podcast and for your you. very practical, let's say, advice uh, uh, to scholars how they should. Uh, approach philosophy work and how they should actually uh, put it in their uh, their scientific uh, uh, research i really appreciate that